Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today taking your calls and texts on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or anything else going on in your life that you would like to talk about from a biblical perspective. We'd love to answer your questions and hopefully... Um, help you in those things, and we'd love to pray for you. So if you have a prayer request, do give us a call, and we'd love to pray for you here on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. We want to welcome all of you who are listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, as well as those of you who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM and on Truth FM. Hope FM is in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, and Truth FM is in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Wherever you're tuning in from today, welcome to the program. We're so glad that you are with us. Again, this is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. If there's anything that's come up in your Bible reading that you found confusing or you're not sure about, we'd love to help sort through some of those things. And if there's something going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or you'd like to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Again, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. want to also welcome those of you who are listening online via the mobile app or the website. You know, there are so many people uh, who we hear from uh, who are tuning in through that app, we uh, we actually are able to get stats on how many people tune in, and we see that people are actually tuning in from all over the country online. So wherever you're tuning in from today, it's exciting. Hey, if you don't have the Grace FM app yet, definitely go get it. Go get it for your mobile device or, or your tablet. It's free, and you can just type in Grace FM, just as one word, into the search bar for your app store, and it'll come right up. You put it on your device, and you'll be able to listen wherever you are, not just in the country, but even around the world. And you can also go to gracefm.com and you can click the button to li listen live there anytime as well to this program and to any other program here on Grace FM. Just a quick reminder that those of you who are listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, so if you're listening on Hope FM or on Truth FM, you're hearing this program on a one-week delay. But we would still love to hear from you and um, you can call in, ask your question, or uh, you know, whatever you need prayer for, and then you'll be able to tune in and listen to yourself a week later on the air on your station there over the air. So uh, just a reminder about that, but we would love to hear from you. Just let me uh, tell you a few things about myself before we go to our callers and as we wait for those callers to come in, those calls to come in. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm your host every Monday here on Calvary Live. Now, of course, today is Friday. But I'm filling in today as uh, people are out of town this time of year. And um, 
just a privilege to take these calls and get to speak to you about God's Word. So, again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. We're in Longmont, Colorado. We're a church that loves Jesus. We love to study the Bible. Generally, we study the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Uh, currently, however, we are we are finishing this coming Sunday a nine-week series. It was originally a seven-week series, but we extended it because we got so much feedback on it. And it's called um, I Could Never Believe in a God Who. And, and throughout this series for the past eight weeks and then this coming Sunday as well, we have been looking at some of the things that cause people the most um, difficulty and trouble when it comes to Christianity, what, what caused them the biggest hurdles in truly embracing the gospel and putting their faith in Jesus and, and really believing the Bible. And so we've looked at everything from the reliability of the Bible or if science buries faith and things like that. And this coming Sunday, we're looking at uh, what's one of the most controversial ones. It's one of the ones that we got the most feedback in on the poll that we took before we did the series. And that is the issue of sexuality, specifically homosexuality and um, and things that the Bible, you know, issues where there are these debates. What does the Bible say about these things and how should they be put into practice? So are the things that the Bible says, are they antiquated? Are they still true for today? How does sexuality relate to identity? And we'll be talking about all of those things and really just addressing it primarily with the words of Jesus this coming Sunday. So if those topics are of interest to you, we'd love for you to join us. You can join us online or you can uh, join us in person. Our church meets in downtown Longmont at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street, just in downtown Longmont. We are one block west of Main Street on Longs Peak Avenue, which is um, which is like the 7th Street, so 7th Avenue is called Longs Peak Avenue here in Longmont. And we're right on the northwest corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman, at, uh, just on the edge of Roosevelt Park, which is our city park here in Longmont. And we'd love to have you join us. We meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. We have worship. We have a Bible study. We have great children's ministry, so your whole family can come and learn on their own level. And we'd love for you to join us. So... If you are looking for directions or any other information about our church, who we are, what we're about, maybe you want to listen to some of our past sermons, check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And if you're not in our area but you know somebody who is, we'd love it if you would uh, refer them to us and send them our way. Uh, so we look forward to that. Our next series is going to be starting soon after this. We're going to be studying First and Second Thessalonians. So we're very much looking forward to that. So we've got uh, two open lines. The number to call once again, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our first caller, Helen on line one. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you for taking my number, my call. Um, I haven't... I haven't heard from my daughter, and it's almost the whole day, and it's not like her. No reply to anyone, and um, I just need to hear from her and know that she's okay. Too many ugly things have gone on right now, and I'm really I'm so worried I can't even think. Mm. How old is your daughter? I know this is crazy, but she's 33. Mm. That's not crazy, but you're worried about her. Very worried. Okay. Well, let's pray for her. Heavenly Father, we pray for Helen. We pray for her daughter, uh, who she hasn't heard from for these past uh, for this past day. 
Lord, we're worried about her. And so, Lord, we ask that uh, wherever her daughter is, Lord, we know that you know where she is. Lord, we pray that you would watch over her wherever she is. Lord, we pray that you would protect her. And we pray that uh, she would she would uh, get back in touch with Helen very soon. Lord, we pray that she's safe. We pray that she's healthy. And, Lord, we pray that uh, Helen, Lord, as she's waiting for this call to come in, sometimes waiting can be so torturous. But, Lord, we just ask that you'd be with her. We ask that you'd comfort her. Lord, give her strength as she's in this time of waiting, we pray in Jesus' name. Oh, Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Helen, hey, send us a text. Let us know uh, when things change. We'll, we'll be happy to know that. I know there are probably people listening who will be happy to hear that update. Well, thank you. Okay. God bless you. Thanks. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts. This Friday afternoon, we have all open lines, so give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Here at the beginning of the show is usually a really good time to get on the air as we're waiting for people to call in and for those lines to fill up. So if you have a question or something you've been curious about for a long time, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. And the text line is 720-336-0897. Once again, 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Uh, one of the things that I was uh, wanting to talk about today was this: that uh, some of you may have known this, others of you might not have. But um, there's an apologist, a great apologist named Norman Geisler, uh, who passed away this past week. A uh, great theologian, but also a, a theologian who brought theology down to the practical level. And you know, here uh, at Calvary Live, you know, sometimes. When we do the show, we'll keep one of his books uh, right on hand. He has a great book that I'd recommend for everyone to check out. You know, he wrote a book called When Skeptics Ask. And um, that's just a great reference. He kind of goes through the entire Bible and talks about the different passages of Scripture that uh, sometimes people will say, oh, that's a contradiction. Or, you know, what about this? How could this be right? And so he goes through the whole Bible, and it's just a great reference for you to, to kind of have on hand. So I, I've always found that book really useful. I would recommend it for all of you. But uh, do check out some of these things about Norman Geisler. He was one of the founders of Veritas Seminary, which was done in uh, cooperation with Calvary Chapel in California. And um, just a great man who, who used his gifts in, in really great ways. And uh, he's going to be missed for sure. But definitely his legacy lives on. I have a good friend in Southern California who has an apologetics ministry similar to his. A lot of great online content that you can check out. His name is Charlie Campbell. His website is um, alwaysbeready.com. So alwaysbeready.com. And I know that he, for example, um, you know, gleaned so much and was so inspired by the work of Norman Geisler himself. But uh, Norman Geisler, yeah, do check him out online. He's been described as, this is how Christianity Today described him. They described him as a cross between Thomas Aquinas and Billy Graham. So he was a great author, and you know he wrote a book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, which um, I, I think would also be a great book that I'd recommend for those of you who are looking for something to read on that topic. Um, so yeah, do check out Norman Geisler, but definitely he's going to be missed, just the towering presence of Christian apologetics and philosophy over the past, I think it's been 50, 60, 70 years that he's been, he's been active in his career. So definitely going to be missed, but we thank God for him and for how God 
has used him in his ministry and we have this great you know repository of his writings that we still get to glean from but uh, if you're not familiar with the work of Norman Geisler I definitely commend it to you because um, it's definitely something you'll benefit from and learn from so check out uh, when skeptics ask and I don't have enough faith to be an atheist or just google some of the articles that came out this week about Norman Geisler uh, he's a great man so let's go to our next caller Desiree in Thornton Colorado hi Desiree welcome to the program hi could you hear me I can hear you what's up um, well, I have a sister that I love dearly, but um, she's battling with drugs, and she left my home, and she moved in with her son for a short time, but her and her son had an ugly fallout. He kicked her out, and now she's back on the street. She calls me up. I go get her. But I'm having, it's just hard to have her back in my house because my son and my husband, everybody's just like, you know, she's always doing me wrong and you continue to help her. But that's what I, I feel like I'm, what I'm doing, this is what God would want me to do in the name of Jesus. Yeah. Let me ask you this about your sister. Does she respect boundaries? Are you able to give her some boundaries when she's there yeah. in your house? Yes, and she follows them. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that's something you definitely need to um, try and get on the same page, especially with your husband about this. Um, you know, I think that you guys need to be a team. You need to work together, and you need to agree on these things. Your husband a believer? No, he's not. He's not. It's like me and my son and all my other kids, we're all believers, but my husband's not a believer. But we are, and we're strong believers, me and my kids. Maybe this is a way that you can kind of uh, share your faith with your husband and say, hey, look, here's why I want to keep helping my sister, even though, you know, she keeps doing these things. Um, you know, at any time, you're going to be trying to walk a line. Right, and sometimes it's like a knife's edge. It's sharp between uh, enabling somebody who's in addiction and helping them get out of it. But I think that boundaries are really important. But I just want to say this: that this might be a way that you can end up sharing your faith with your husband in the sense of like, hey, look, Jesus has forgiven me, and He has restored me and worked in my life, and I want to bring that redemption into my sister's life uh, as well, and I want to live out the gospel and how I love my sister. Right, you know, you think about uh, Jesus' disciples asking him how many times you should forgive someone who sins against you and commits even the same sin against you. And they thought they were being really generous and really gracious by saying seven times. And Jesus said, no, 70 times, seven times. And uh, the point of that, of course, is not for us to count, uh, do the math and run the math and find out how many times that is and keep a, tra keep a chart, right, and keep track of how many times a person sins against us, but just to be overwhelmingly, abundantly gracious. But I think at the same time, you can, you can run a risk, if you're not careful, of letting people take advantage of you, but also, maybe more importantly, because I would say there are times when the gospel, I think in a way, invites us to let ourselves be taken advantage of for the sake of the gospel. Um, you know, you could look at God's grace and say, are people taking advantage of God's goodness and kindness and grace? Well, in a way, maybe. But here's the thing is, is not just that, but are you ever enabling that person and not helping them by, uh, by always bailing them out? So these are the things that you need to think about and pray through. 
and I and I've been praying. Um, she's um, she's an older woman, but she's like the younger sister. I she don't have she don't even have no common sense. I feel bad for her. Yeah, well, one of the things that I would recommend is that you get her into some kind of addiction counseling. There's some great uh, Christian ministries. I know there's one based out of Calvary Aurora called uh, The Most Excellent Way, I believe is what it's called. And um, I would really recommend that you look into some of those those addiction programs, especially faith-based ones. There's uh, Celebrate Recovery, for example, is a Christian-based one that's found kind of all over um, the front range. I know that there's probably plenty where you're at in Thornton. But uh, uh-huh. I think the one in Calvary Aurora is probably not too far from you, you know, and I know that they have a great ministry down there reaching out to people with different addictions. But I would encourage you, don't just uh, don't just stop with giving her a place to stay so she's off the street. Really try and get her the help that she needs. Yes, and I, and I agree, Pastor. I agree, and it's like crazy because with me, um, I share a lot with her, and she's learning, and... When we go for a ride, we share we share the word together, and it's like I tell her, "You're you're my um, how do I say?" So we share the word, so we're like in fellowship. Yes, we're in fellowship, and we sit here and we listen to the Bible, you know. Because when we listen to the radio station, and I tell her everything what they're sharing with us is straight from the Bible. Because we listen, I listen to Calvary. I'm just so loyal to your radio station. It's beautiful, and I am so thankful. Great. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. So I, I would just encourage you, don't stop there, but really try and get her into some kind of uh, addiction counseling. I think that would be very helpful for her in the long term. So. I'm going to do that, Pastor. Could you please pray for us? Yes, let's pray for you. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I pray for Desiree, and I pray for her sister. Lord, I pray especially for her sister that you would um, break these chains of bondage that she's in to uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is. Lord, I pray that you would set her free in Jesus' name. And I pray that you'd use Desiree in that. But I also pray that, Lord, this wouldn't be something that causes division in Desiree's family. I pray, Lord, that this would even be a way, uh, that it would be done in such a way that it bears witness to you and uh, and to the gospel. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank God bless you, you Desiree. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We have all open lines. Once again, the number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, that text line is 720-336-0897. If you have a question about the Bible, you have something going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or advice about we'd love to hear from you and hopefully answer those questions for you Um, and if you have a prayer request we'd love to pray for you so give us a call 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897 let me tell you about a few things going on here in longmont and uh, through our church and in the area for those of you who are in this northern Colorado area or within driving distance of Longmont, um, but also maybe some of you who are out of our local area as well as we wait for those calls to get in. So one thing, uh, this not this weekend, so this is the, tomorrow is the 6th, uh, the Saturday, but the weekend after that, so this will be Friday, July 12th, and Saturday, July 13th, 
there is a big festival here in Longmont, kind of the biggest festival of the year here in this area. It's called Rhythm on the River. It's like a running music festival. And um, they shut down this big park right on the St. Vrain River here in Longmont called Rogers Grove. And we are going to be there and we'll be joined by Grace FM. So our church, Whitefields Community Church, will have a booth there and Grace FM will be joining us. And so if you're in Longmont or you're in the area, if you listen to the re this radio station, you'd like to meet some of the people, uh, you know, who are part of the radio station, the producers and the, the people behind the scenes, as well as some of the people who um, are on the shows, then we'd love to have you come and visit our booth. So it'll be uh, Grace FM there with Whitefields Community Church. We'll be handing out t-shirts, stickers, all kinds of free stuff, and it'll be a great way for you to connect with us. And maybe uh, you could bring some people who maybe you know in the area and connect them with us as well. We would love that. One of our goals is really to just make sure that more and more people know about this radio station and that they're tuning in and sharing it with friends and things like that. So join us for Rhythm on the River uh, in Longmont. It's the evenings of Friday, July 12th and Saturday, July 13th. We'll have a booth, so do come out and visit us out there. That'd be great. Another thing that's going on here at our church is that we do a big project every year. We do two big projects, which are related to outreach to children who are in foster care. And this is something that kind of grew out of our ministry here at our church. There was a couple um, several years ago who had uh, worked in the foster care system. And then they said, you know, wow, there's such a big need. This is really a at-risk people group right here in our local community that we can be reaching out to. And so what we started out with doing was reaching out to families at Christmas time and providing gifts. But then we that evolved into a thing where we started doing kind of a festival for those those families um, through Weld County Health and Human Services at Christmas, where we feed them dinner and we get to meet some of the families who are involved in the program and things like that. So we're doing several hundred families at this point um, through our church here in Longmont. But also there, there's so many of you who tune into the radio station. You've asked about the program and how you can be involved. Well, about two years ago, we expanded this project to not just be uh, something we do at Christmas time, but to also be something we do at back to school time. And one of the reasons driving that was because we saw statistics that showed that poverty is perpetuated by, in large part, people who drop out of school. And then we found out that, that children who are in foster care system have a much higher rate of dropping out of school and then poverty, things like teenage pregnancy and drug abuse, uh, arrests, imprisonment, these kinds of things. And so one of the ways that we've combated that, at least tried to uh, do our part, is called Project Back to School. And what we do is we provide school supplies, backpacks, and clothing for children who are in this same program that we work with in the uh, Christmas time period. And the idea here is that if these kids have proper supplies that they'll actually be excited about going to school. If they have nice clothes, they can feel, you know, a sense of dignity as they go to school, a sense of excitement about going to school. And so uh, this year, our goal is 120 kids. That's what uh, Weld County has given us. They've, they have 120 kids in this uh, at-risk category that they've asked us to help uh, provide school supplies for. And so we're going to do that through our church, but also through those who are outside of our church who'd like to be involved. And so if you would like to be involved in uh, Project Back to School, here's how you can do that. Go to our website, whitefieldschurch.com.
whitefieldschurch.com and you'll see right there on the front page there's some information about Project Back to School and you can be involved in a couple ways. One of the ways that you can donate and 100% of all monies that we receive that are marked for Project Greatest Gift and so you can do that on our online thing. There's a way you can drop down and click uh, Project Back to School, Project Greatest Gift. It's the same project. And all those monies that we receive will be used to buy these things. School supplies, clothing for these at-risk families in Weld County. But if you are local and um, you would like to be involved, one of the ways you can do that is you can uh, come and you can sign up at church on Sunday. You can get a uh, family assigned to you. you. You'll go out, you'll shop, and then you'll bring those things back and deliver them to us at the church. And then we'll deliver them in bulk to uh, Health and Human Services in Weld County. So it's a great way that you can be involved and pour back into the community. So again, for more information, go to whitefieldschurch.com or you can email us at info at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our next caller, Beth in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the program. Beth, are you there? All right, so it looks like we might have lost Beth, but uh, it looks like she had a question about John chapter 7, verses 11 through 53 not being in the manuscripts. So uh, we can look that up in just a second if we can't get a hold of Beth. But um, curious to find out what her question is about John 7, 11 through 33. Let's just look at those verses here in the Bible. So John 7, 11 through 53 would be a text about uh, Jesus going to the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And this is the time when Jesus um, famously talks about, uh, if anyone thirsts, let him come to him and drink. And whoever believes in him, as the scriptures have said, out of his, their heart will flow rivers of living water. And I see now, actually it was, um, what what she's referring to is that the earliest manuscripts do not include John 50, John 7, verses 53 to 8, 7, or 8, 11. So this would include um, specifically, really, the text only about the woman caught in adultery. Okay, so I see now uh, what Beth was referring to. And Beth, if you're listening, maybe I'll just uh, try and answer this as best I can right now. Um, yeah, so it's John chapter 7, starting in verse 53, which is, by the way, the last verse of John 7, which merely says they each went to their own house. That's uh, all of that that comes from John 7, 53. And then eight, uh, John 8, starting in verse 1, talks about how Jesus went to the Mount of Olives and um, they brought to him this woman caught in the act of adultery. You might remember the story. They wanted to stone her, and they asked him the question, Teacher, who si or, you know, this woman was caught in adultery. Don't you think that we should put her to death? And Jesus, of course, says to them, um, you know, he, he says that he bends down, and he starts writing in the dirt with his finger. And as he did that, um, he told them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And it says that he again bent down and wrote on the ground. Now, there is a note there that says that. And you'll notice that in whatever translation you're reading this in, and this is really all translations of the Bible that you're going to read this in, are going to have a notation there. Either they put it in italics, some of them put it in brackets, and they just try to make it clear that uh, these are not in the oldest manuscripts. And so there are really two, two sets of manuscripts that we're looking at here. Uh, one is... Um, 
that, that all of our translations come from. Some of them are drawing on the earliest manuscripts, and some of them are drawing on the majority manuscripts. And so the idea behind translation theory, which I, I've written a, a little bit about this on my blog. For those of you who are interested, let me know. You can text me, and I can send you some links. Or you can uh, just go and, and browse for yourself on my blog. The address is nickkady.org. And if you want to text me, and I'll, I'll send you those links directly, the text line is 720-336-0897. Uh, but you can go to nickkady.org and just type in Bible translation. And you'll see I've written a little bit on translation theory because this is one of the areas where the Bible gets attacked a lot is people will say, you know, we really can't, um, we really can't, oh, it looks like we've come up on our mid-show break. So, hey, we're going to talk a bit, little bit more about Bible translation in just a minute. And we'll answer this question of why this story is in the Bible, but why there's this notation that it was not included in the earliest manuscripts. So we'll be back in two minutes' time right after our break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or issues going on in your life that you'd like prayer for or questions answered, we'd love to hear from you and talk with you and pray for you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. So we, right before the break, we were talking about Beth uh, from Greeley. had a question about John chapter 7, verse 53 through chapter 8, verse 11, not originally being part of John's gospel. So here's, here's just, let me give you a little summary on this. The question is this, should we go with the majority documents that we have of, of Bible manuscripts, or should we go with the oldest? The theory there being that the oldest are closer to the truth and what was actually written. And the thinking is that as time went on, where there are things which uh, appear that they were added, that those were added by scribes as a way of uh, usually as commentary on the Bible, not meaning to add to the Bible, but meaning to give commentary. And there are a handful of these in the Bible, and they're always marked. So it's not something where you're going to get tricked into something or anything like that. It's always marked. The Bible's very, you know, it tried to be very clear on, you know, what the manuscripts say and what they don't say. And we've talked about this in previous uh, shows about how the Bible is the most attested ancient document by far, like by not even close to anything else. But here's the thing that we have is that the oldest Greek manuscripts do not include the story of the woman caught in adultery, um, whereas later manuscripts do. Now, there's kind of two ways of looking at this. So the one way would say, well, the majority documents that come later show that this was a theory. Thing that truly happened with Jesus and it was attested to by oral tradition and there was so much oral tradition around this that it was included later in the Gospel of John um, it was written in afterwards and this really did happen that's very possible but again when we come to the Bible I think that we need to be careful to say again like it says in the book of Revelation we can't be adding or subtracting anything 
And so the other theory would be to say this, is that, look, this wasn't originally in the Bible, which I, I think is very clear from the manuscript evidence. But does that mean it didn't happen? No, it, it means it's very likely it did happen because in the Gospel of John, John tells us at the end, if all the things that Jesus said and did were written down, there wouldn't be enough libraries in the world to contain all of it. In other words, there's a lot of things that weren't written down, but he says the things that have been written down were written down for this purpose, that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ and by doing so that you would have eternal life in him. So the things that are written down are written down on purpose. Uh, and that also means things that were not written down are not written down on purpose. So I think we can learn things from Jesus. I do think this is probably something that happened in his life, but I think that we have to take it carefully and differently than we take the rest of what's written in the Gospel of John because it seems clear that this was not in the original manuscripts, that it was added later on. Now, there's one other section that is similar to this in the Bible, and that is in the Gospel of Mark, uh, verses, chapter 16, verses 9, 9 through 20, where uh, it seems that these were added in later. You know, and so we... we notice that in all translations of the Bible that's marked. They're marked either by putting them in italics or in brackets. Is to tell us that they weren't in the original manuscripts. Um, and so there has been actually a lot of pressure as of late for Bible publishers to uh, make very clear notations of this. This is probably why you're noticing this now uh, as you read the Bible, Beth. I think that's honest. I think it's good. I think we should do that. You know, one of the complaints that I've often heard is that, um, you know, people would say, you know, newer translations of the Bible are removing verses from the Bible. Well, that's not actually true. And uh, and like I said, I, I've written extensively on this on my blog and on other places. If you'd like more information, do uh, text us, and I'll send you some links, 720-336-0897. Uh, it's not that the verses have been removed. If anything, I guess you could say it's that verses were added. And so you could ask the question, well, uh, is it okay to add verses to the Bible? Well, absolutely not. Even if they're even if they're good, even if they're true, we shouldn't be adding. And so what we're doing now with translation is that translations are coming and they're saying, okay, these verses are not in the original manuscripts. They were added later. And so they, let's let's at least put them in footnotes. Let's put them somewhere. Let's mark them so people can see that these verses were probably added and yet keep them in there because in many cases... They were added in not long after the Bible was written, but they were added in probably by what we might call overzealous scribes who, who really wanted this story to be included too or this information. And is that information wrong? No, but it's not uh, the inspired word of God that was originally written in there. So I hope that answers your question, and I hope that uh, helps. Let's go to our next caller. We have Chris in online one. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? Doing well. Okay. Um, I called. Um, I, I, I am a truck driver. I travel all around, and I don't get to spend a lot of time with my grandson. But when I do go home, he always says he wants to kill himself. He's suicidal. Um, he doesn't get along with his parents. Um, and and um, he he's, he became an atheist. He, he believed in Christ when he was little, but now he's just so confused. And... I would just really like to have prayers to for his salvation and have Jesus tell him how much that he loves him unconditional and that he's here for him and 
and have his eyes open to the truth, you know? Yeah. What is the truth? And, and you know, for his whole family, I, I, the suicidal, um, he's 14. So yeah. the suicide scares me real bad. He's old enough he could probably do it, you know? And mm. and I'm, I, I'm just at a loss. I pray constant for him, but I just figured if, if more people pray, the better. Yeah, let's pray for him. Heavenly Father, our hearts break just uh, hearing this story about this young man who who is so sad and so um, distraught that he wants to end his life. And Lord, we know that this is uh, not, not he's not the only one out there having these feelings. So Lord, we pray for him and we pray for others who are struggling with suicidal thoughts and feelings. Lord, we pray that uh, through these people you'd help them to differentiate between the truth and lies. Lord, we pray that you'd help them to see through the darkness and that they would see the light. And um, Lord, we pray that you would embrace them, that they would sense your presence, they would sense your love, and that you would send people into their lives to express to them your love and care uh, in practical ways. Lord, that they would feel your love as they meet other people who know you and love you and love them in that way. So Lord, we uh, do pray just for this young man. We pray that there would truly be a breakthrough, breakthrough in his thinking. We pray that uh, you would bind the enemy because we know the enemy is really, you know, one of the big areas of spiritual warfare is, is in our minds. And so we see that he's being attacked spiritually. And Lord, we ask that you'd bind the enemy in the ways that he's seeking to twist and, and destroy this life. And Lord, we pray that you, where there has been uh, twisting, Lord, you would straighten things out where there has been there have been lies, Lord, that you would speak truth. And Lord, we pray that you would use Chris in the way that she ministers to her grandson. Lord, that he would not give up, but that he would continue. And Lord, that he would find everything that he desires in life in a relationship with you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, thank you so much, and God bless you. God bless you, Chris. Thanks for calling in. Right. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air today. We've got one open line. Give us a call. The number is 303-690-3000 or text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to Peter in Lakewood, Colorado. Hi, Peter. Welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Nick. How you doing? Doing great. What's up? Hey, uh, so I've always had this question. I, I don't know why I never really called in to ask before, but uh, my question is about Matthew seven thirteen and 14, uh, you know, enter by the narrow gate. Um, describing, you know, uh, how it is and why you should enter, enter by that versus the, the wide and broad way. Um, but I, I've never really understood, I guess maybe, uh, maybe I haven't prayed enough about it or read it enough to really meditate on it to, to figure it out, but um, I'm just waiting on an answer to, to figure out what does that really mean. I mean, uh, in my mind, I think, you know, obviously Jesus is the only way, the truth, the life, um, and you can't come to uh, the Father unless you go through Jesus. And so, but one of the things that's always concerned me is, um, you know, through my walk, um, which has been very up and down, um, not not because I want that to be the case, but uh, because for whatever reason I struggle with certain sins or um, things that I would like to put away from my life. And um, and so so one of the things I want to know is uh, what is the true meaning of that that passage and um, how can I apply it to my life so I can get closer to Jesus? That's my ultimate goal. Is I want to get closer to Jesus. Um, I, to me personally, I don't care as much about 
how much I know about the Scripture um, as I do how can I be closer to Jesus. That's that's personally my uh, my goal right now, is I just want to be closer to Him, and um, yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to do that and not try to think that I know more than I really do, but just rely on Him and so I'm okay. just kind of trying to figure out how that how that plays into my walk. Yeah. Well, I think there are two things that Jesus is saying here, and I think they all come down to to one big point. And that's really just this, that uh, Jesus is saying that um, there is one way, there is one gate that you have to enter through, right? You can think of a fence, right? And you can't just hop the fence and everybody gets in. It's not like there... So in other words, there is a fence, and in the fence there's a gate. There's something that you have to go through in order to enter into heaven. And Jesus later identifies himself, and I think this is really the answer to your question. Jesus identifies himself as the gate. He says that in, um, in the Gospel of John, chapter 10. He says that, um, first he says, I am the good shepherd, my sheep know my voice. But then he says, I am the gate for the sheep, and everyone must enter through me in order to go into the pasture. And In other words, in order to be part of his flock, you have to enter through the gate, which is him. And that would make sense along with what Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, a very famous passage that uh, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can go to the Father except through me. So I think that's just the very most simple way to explain this is that Jesus is the gate through which we must enter in order to go to the Father, and there is no other gate. And that, by definition, makes the gate narrow. It means that, um, and Jesus' point is that, you know, it's it's not wide open. It's not just like, hey, do whatever you want and come to heaven, but that there's a, a distinct way. And he says the broad road, which in other words means that he says that many are on the broad road and few are on the narrow path. And so what that means, we shouldn't be surprised uh, if as Christians we find ourselves a minority in the world or a minority in culture. And even amongst Christians who are true believers, we should expect the fact that we will always be a minority in, in whatever community we're in. Now, of course, our goal is to see uh, heaven populated, right? It's to see yeah, heaven, yeah. Uh, a lot of people in heaven. But we do keep this in mind, and we're not surprised when we see it, that uh, the, the way is the narrow, the gate's narrow, and the, there are few on that way. So I think that's the key. And, and I think this also relates to your question about how can you get to know God better. It sounds like, you know, you're saying you've struggled with some sins in the past. Here's my number one advice for you would be this. Focus less on what you need to do for God and focus more on what Jesus has done for you. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, every time I, I get caught up in that, you know, I don't want to get to a point of legalism where I'm trying to do things. And uh, I just, I want to make sure I'm spending time at his feet, you know, and uh, it's just, uh, it's, it seems like it's a struggle all the time to get pulled away or the enemy keeps telling me, no, you're good. You're good, and that's that's the point I really don't want to be in. Is where um, I don't ever want to be in a place where I feel like I'm okay, because um, I always want to keep learning and, and growing more, and uh, so that yeah. really helps a lot. It's a great attitude, you know. And I would just encourage you, though. I think this is where a lot of people get off track, where they're they're trying to think, okay, what do I need to do? Uh, more and more, and then it can become really focused on ourselves. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, the number one thing that will motivate you, and not only motivate you, but also inspire you, 
is to focus your eyes away from yourself and onto Jesus and onto the cross. That is the thing which will cause you where it won't be you kind of trying to slap yourself and pull yourself together and be like, hey, I can do this. Let, let's try harder, do better. It's going to be you yeah. beholding Jesus on the cross. And that will just fill you with so much love, so much inspiration when you see what he's done for you that the rest will become you know, a joy because it will become a response rather than a duty. Oh, that's a good way to think about it. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's easy to get caught up in. You know, it's, um, it's, uh, it, that's one of the dangers. I was listening to Raul Reese earlier, and he was saying, you know, dose, you got to make sure that you, you just stay in a, a place of humility because it's easy to get off track and think that, hey, look, I'm doing this okay. And then it's, but it's really, it's all, it's all the Father, it's all Jesus, it's all the Holy Spirit leading you. So, yeah. Um, but, all right, well, I really appreciate that. That'll really help me tonight in my studies. So Good. God bless you, Peter. Thanks, Thanks for calling Thanks a lot, in. Pastor. God bless right. you. Bye-bye. Right, bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got one open line just opened up. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Let's go to Brian in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Brian. Hey, Nick. How are you? Doing great. Good. Hey, I have a question. Um, I've always believed um, in my studies with the Bible that when you're absent from the body is, is to be present with the Lord. And I know that's found in the New Testament, but I've heard a few times on this program um, other preachers, perhaps yourself too, referred to prior to Jesus' resurrection, uh, believers went to a place called Abraham's bosom. And I'm trying to find scriptures to make sense of that um, in my mind and one of the things that immediately stood out to me, because I've always just assumed that it was the same for everybody, and that they were credited, their faith was credited to them as righteousness, like Abraham, and so they went to the same heaven that we went to, even though Jesus hadn't been here. But my question is, I guess, is if, if they went to Abraham's bosom or some sort of a, another holding place until Jesus interceded, um, my question is regarding Elijah and Enoch. The, the Bible says that the whirlwind came and took Elijah, and it says he went up into heaven. And I know when they talk about in First Peter 3, interceding with spirits, it says Jesus descended. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just trying to look at Scripture to make sense of—I just still believe that everybody who died prior to Jesus goes to the same place we do now— and I'm just trying to find Scripture to help me grasp that a little better. And my request, my question as it relates to Abraham's bosom is, was it different for Enoch who went, or uh, Elijah who went up to heaven, and then everybody else who would have went to this other place? I was hoping maybe you could help me with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see, I wrote a, a, an article outlining this um, that I might just recommend for you. Sure. And it's called, Did People Go to Heaven Before Jesus' Death and Resurrection? Okay. And um, I wrote that, let's see, February of this year. So you can find that on my blog okay. on Nick, nickkady.org. So N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. Yep. And uh, yeah, check that out. It, it'll outline this for you more. But here, here are some of those verses. One of the ways, one of the reasons we believe this is, number one, a point of deduction, right? Like, so we're just looking at this and using what's called theological reasoning and saying that, well, uh, it's interesting if we are not able to be in the presence of God before we are cleansed, before our sins are paid for, then what happened to people in the Old Testament? And did they go to heaven or did they go somewhere else? Because David talks about a place called Sheol, which is considered the dwelling place of the dead. And in the Jewish mind, the Sheol was um, 
it was a place where both the good and the bad went, right? And those who died in faith and apart from faith, everybody went to Sheol. And yet clearly there's a separation. And clearly like in the book of Job, right? Job anticipates his resurrection. He anticipates seeing God face to face when he is resurrected. Mm, So there's an anticipation of something which he doesn't expect, it seems to me, he doesn't expect that to happen as soon as he dies. David, okay. for example, when he talks about his death, he he expects that he will go to Sheol, not to heaven in the way that we think about it, meaning the immediate presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we go to the New Testament. We see verses like uh, Luke sixteen nineteen through 31. This is a really important text because it kind of gives us the best picture we have of how Jewish people understood um Sheol, and and not only that, but how Jesus understood Sheol to be. And what we see is that in Sheol, this place where everyone who dies goes, the souls go, uh, there's a division that is uncrossable, it says there. And so uh, in the one hand, you have the rich man and Lazarus, right? That's the story. Lazarus, the person who was poor in his life, but he dies in faith. And it says that he's taken to Abraham's bosom, which is a place of comfort as he awaits Assume, we're assuming this, but it seems pretty clear. He's, a, he's awaiting the redemption, uh, which will take place when Jesus dies and resurrects. Then we see that the man uh, who is with him, he goes to also to Sheol, but he goes to Hades or hell, which is a place of torment. Um, but then we, you know, we add that up with what we see in Revelation, that it says that uh, there's this resurrection of everyone who's ever lived. And so uh, Hades, right? Those who are in Hades are resurrected unto the judgment. So they stand mm-hmm. before God in judgment. And then there, there's a, f- it's called the second death, right? It says that hell and Hades are emptied into the lake of fire, which is the second death, which is kind yeah. of the ultimate destiny of those who die apart from faith and go to hell. So, um, you know, we, Luke 16. Yes, Luke sixteen okay, verses nineteen through thirty-one. How about, yeah. Eli- how about Elijah then? When he is when he says heaven, is, is, he did Elijah go to that same place? Then that's what I'm really hung up with. Is where it appears that Elijah may have went somewhere differently. And I'll read yeah, your no, blog if a, it's in there. I know there's great, other columns. No, that, that's, that's not in my that part is not addressed in my blog. So I, I'd love to address it for you because I think okay. that is a great question. Um, my answer is going to be this. Just this is um, I'm basing this on just theological reason and assuming that the Bible is consistent in what Mm -hmm. it talks about. So when it says that uh, chariot of fire, right, he was caught up, uh, he went up to um, heaven in a whirlwind. We have to ask the question of what heaven is this speaking about? Mm -hmm. Because like Paul the Apostle in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about being caught up to the third heaven. And the, the thought in the ancient mind as far as heaven was this, that there are three levels of heaven, meaning right. that what you might call the blue sky, right? The atmosphere is the first level. The second atmosphere, the second level of heaven is the, um, the outer space or the starry sky. And then you have heaven in the abstract sense of the place where God dwells. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, which of those was he caught up to? If we follow the same reasoning and same logic, we would say, well, we can still understand this correctly and clearly if we say, okay, clearly he was caught up into the sky and God took him. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that he was taken into the immediate presence of God. Right. Okay. So this is my opinion that he was taken to Abraham's bosom, but 
if you would have seen it, right? He ascended into heaven, kind of like Jesus ascended uh, from the Mount of Olives. Um, but I, anyway, it, it could also be no, that he was I, taken I get, to the presence I, yeah, of God. I've heard that too. That, I, that helps, and I, I'll, I'll look into it more. And my only thing on that, and I know there's other colors, is just that is there any reference that Elijah then returned back to earth from that point? It seems to me like at that point, well, Elijah's story concludes and ends. If there was another reference that said he went up into the atmosphere, but then he later continued work on earth, that would very much flow with my thought. But it seems very final there. So I appreciate your time, Pastor, and I'll read Luke 16 and try to piece it together. Yeah, well, let me answer that last question for you about uh, Enoch, or sorry, about Elijah. Yeah, so I mean, definitely there is prophecy in the Old Testament that said that the Messiah wouldn't come until Elijah returned. And so there was a lot of anticipation about the return of Elijah. Everybody expected that. And you can see that in the Gospels, that everybody's curious. When they're asking about the coming of the Messiah, they asked first John the Baptist, and then they asked Jesus, you know, are you Elijah? Because mm. they knew the prophecy that Elijah must return. And so the question, this, this gets to a really interesting thing, which I don't know if we can answer no, no, I don't, dogmatically. I don't have to. But there are, there are two really interesting theories on this. So in the one sense, we know that John the Baptist, Jesus says, he is Elijah who was to come, if you can receive it. What he's saying is this, John the Baptist was not Elijah reincarnated or, you know, come back in the flesh, but he came in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he was the one who fulfilled the prophecy that Elijah would come before Jesus, before the Messiah came. Mm -hmm. So John the Baptist was that figure who came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Now, mm -hmm. there's also another theory that says that in Revelation 11, when we read about the two witnesses who will come as evangelists at the end times during the tribulation, mm -hmm. uh, many people believe that that will actually be the return of Elijah. And the reason behind that being that what's described there in Romans, or sorry, Revelation 11 very much describes Elijah and his ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and he'll be killed there when he never died before, so that would make sense. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And, well, um, thank you, Pastor. Yeah, uh, I hope that answers your question, gives you some No, it does, and I don't want to be rude and take up another caller's time. There might be a prayer request, but if I, I can, uh, I know how to contact you if I have further questions when I read your blog, and uh, that does make sense, and it gives me something to do some more digging into, so I appreciate it. Absolutely. God bless you, Brian. Thank you. Bye-bye. Right, Listening to Calvary Live, we've got time for one more caller. Let's go to Brooke in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Brooke. Welcome to the program. Hello, Nick. Thank you. Uh, yes, um, it, it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture as to what side of Jesus the thief was on. The, the Well, they were, there was a thief on either side, but I'm assuming you mean right. the thief who the one he went to heaven? To. Yeah. Yes. Well, let's look that up real quick. I think we've got enough time to do that. I don't. Uh, I don't remember offhand, so I'm going to see. Yeah, find I, that I text don't again. Any specifics? But I thought, well, maybe there was, and I missed it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in the Gospel of Luke, oh. and I'm looking for the passage. So it'd probably be Luke 23. So I'll just look it up here. So we see, yeah, the crucifixion starts in Luke 23, verse 26. And it says, one of the criminals who was hanged uh, railed at him and said, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And he said, 
Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. So it's, uh, this is found in Luke 23, so you can check it out for yourself. Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. And it doesn't say which uh, side that thief was on. Um, but it does say earlier in the chapter that he was crucified in the middle, so with one on his right and one on his left, which is actually, interestingly, that's a fulfillment of a prophecy from the Old Testament uh, that talked about how he would be um, put to death with, surrounded by sinners. Okay. All right. And what, real quick, what, what language would Jesus have spoke to him on the cross? In Hebrew, Latin, Greek? Very possibly would have spoken Aramaic, which was kind of the vernacular, right? It was the common language of the people, but it's also very possible that he spoke in Hebrew. Uh, one of the uh, good friend of mine who's a scholar in this area believes that Jesus, he makes a big case for it, and he's written a book on it, and uh, he made a case that Jesus spoke in Hebrew. Um, but it's also, you know, just the general consensus is that Jesus would have spoken in Aramaic, which was um, the language of Actually, language of Babylon kind of mixed with the language of the Jews. It's something they brought back with them from exile in Babylon. Oh, I see. Do you have another second? I've got thirty seconds. Okay. So, um, in 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 the uh, in the Gospels, it it says several different things as to what was written on the sign: the King of the Jews. This is the King of the Jews. Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Do we know which? Uh, no, I think I think it said uh, this is the king of the Jews. It, make, the, it makes it very clear that the people were upset about the sign, you know, because it declared that he was the king of the Jews and they didn't like that. So I think that is the, the gist of what it meant. Um, but I have to let you go now. We've come to the end of our show. You've okay. been listening okay. to Calvary Live. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Tune in to Calvary Live every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. We'll see you around. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.